It's time for JT the Brick. The Raiders need a wake-up call right now. If you don't progress and get better, they will cut you or trade you. You don't throw the ball out of bounds when you're down eight. There is no excuse for that. Everybody knows that my philosophy is to play faster. Don't huddle up when you don't need to huddle up. Make the play simpler. Run simpler plays and run them faster. Run them until you're blue in the face and don't leave practice until the janitor says we're closing the lights out. You guys got to go home. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. Give the ball to Devontae, Jacoby, and Hunter, and Michael Mayer. I don't care who the sixth receiver is. JT the Brick. Too many people are getting comfortable. Smarter, faster, more explosive players who are disruptors. Everything that you can read that was negative and wasn't positive in this game I gave you in the first five minutes of the show, and I do it five days a week on my radio show. There's no sugarcoating here. You're a Raider fan. Act like it. Get behind the team. And now, uh-oh, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Hope you're having a great day today. Gorgeous day. Actually wore the vest today, Bobby, for the first time today. It's starting to get a little crisp, but good. Hope everyone's having a great day. We are very busy today, and the call to action is calling on how to beat Detroit. Uh, no more anger, fierce anger. Oh, my God, the sky is falling. We did that. We did that Monday, Tuesday, if you listen. Sometimes people don't listen, and then they come to me like two weeks later, man. You're not hard enough on the team. Did you listen? Did you listen to the post-game show after the game while I was in Chicago? Uh, did you listen Monday, Tuesday? Did I clean out? Did I clean out everything? Did the trolls get enough from me? Or do you want some more? Just checking. Want to make sure I'm doing everything right for you. I need to do everything right for you. You're all I got. You're my audience. Many are my friends. The ones I don't agree with, I respect, and I want to make sure we do a big job for you every day. That's all I want to make sure. I want to make sure every day, agree or disagree, you say, you know, JT didn't sound sluggish. He had great energy. He's excited. He loves what he's doing. He's not happy. He's super happy certain days. But you feel me, man. You feel what I'm doing here, and you just try to interact. We're an interactive radio show. The best way to interact with someone is face-to-face. The second best way to do it is over the phone. And I don't read texts because I don't do texts. I don't. I think texts are great for people who do texts. I text back my my friends all day. Bobby, Bobby's laughing. My text blows up all day, so I'm not going to read texts. I'm reading texts from my dad and my my friends. And then finally, it's other forms of social media, TikTok, YouTube. Those who showed up for my YouTube live last night, appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. And uh, but I like to talk to people live. I like to see people. I had a really good time in Chicago. A friend of mine said to me. What was that like, man, meeting so many fans and friends of the Raiders? Not me, but those who know me only because of the Raiders. I said, it's humbling. It's great. Being on the ground in Chicago with the Raider Nation is a beautiful thing. Great thing, just like at the Torch. If you come to our home games, we have a vibrant crowd at the Torch because we like to interact with people who are having a good time, who are fans, and fans who maybe could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Many Raider fans do not see not many. I don't know what the number is, so I shouldn't say many. I don't know what the number is. Several. Several Raider fans do not see the light at the end of the tunnel. And part of my job is hope, right? Hope. You know, if, if I'm not the hope guy, who's going to be the hope guy, right? And I'm not delusional. I'm not telling you they're going to win a game or lose a game. I just hope they play better. That's really the theme of the show as we open it up. We, we uh, knocked out Raiders roundtable this morning in the building, Eddie Pascal along with Lincoln Kennedy and I, and we congratulated Lincoln. How about Lincoln Kennedy, the newest member of the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame? Lincoln Kennedy, it's a huge honor. He played in three Rose Bowls. He's going in with the class with Kirk Herbstreet, 
who also played, but more of a broadcaster. Lincoln, I didn't realize how great he was in the Rose Bowl. You know, Jim Plunkett was the Rose Bowl MVP. I often say this, that you know who has one of the greatest trophy rooms in the world? Jim Plunkett. In his trophy room, he has the Heisman Trophy. He has the Rose Bowl MVP. He had the Pac-8 Player of the Year. These are trophies, man. These aren't like plaques. These are big trophies. He's got the Rookie of the Year in the NFL, the Comeback Player of the Year, the Super Bowl MVP, the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame. I mean, Jim Plunkett, you want to talk about a trophy room, and then all the golf tournaments he's won and those trophies. But Lincoln is the newest member of the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. So the next time... You talk to Lincoln or you see Lincoln, congratulate him. That is a high honor. Uh, growing up as a kid back east in New York, whenever the Rose Bowl was on, I didn't grow up with college football. It's really a dirty secret to us back east. Back east, we didn't grow up with any college football. I mean, Syracuse was kind of close, but no one cared. No one cared about Columbia and, you know, no one cared. So we just were, pro- I came from a pro sports background, heavy. Yankees, Knicks, Giants, Jets. I grew up with pro sports, but I always remember watching the Rose Bowl as a kid because on New Year's Day it was freezing cold, gray skies, and then the Rose Bowl. Oh, my God, it would come out on television and all the flowers and the, the mountains in Pasadena and the floats. And Lincoln's now in that Hall of Fame. That's a great honor for Lincoln Kennedy. I'm happy to call him a friend. What a monster show we got lined up today. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson is one of the 25 greatest players to ever play in the NFL. Not top 100. He's top 25, no debate, because he played safety and he played corner. He was brilliant on special teams in his career early, and he was better than Deion Sanders. Sorry, Deion Sanders might be more popular. He was not as good of a player as Rod Woodson. No one will argue that point. And he was a much better tackler. So I reached out to Rod and his team. And his team got back to us. And we're going to talk to Rod about tackling. Rod was a really good tackler. But he was a ball hawk. He was a ball hawk who intercepted everything, but he was a good tackler. Eric Allen had 54 career interceptions. 54. He was a ball hawk, and he could tackle. And he was very vocal about the Raiders' bad tackling. So we're going to have Rod Woodson on, who coached in the NFL, just coached the XFL team, has coached symposiums overseas with other coaches. And I'm just going to have a conversation with Rod Woodson on how the Raiders can tackle better. Is everybody good with that? We've already talked about his career, Hall of Famer, great, all that. We're going to talk to Rod about two things. How do you tackle and how do you play with more passion? And I think by the end of that interview, we'll have a really good conversation. Bill Williamson, been covering the Raiders longer than anyone that I know, especially in this market or Oakland. He joins us at 1245. Top of the next hour, Vinny Bonsignor, uh, Vinny's insider segment every week. And then Vince Sapienza, who covers the Raiders and the Golden Knights. How about that Golden Knights game? Oh, my God. I'm going to get into this in the monologue. I'm not going heavy Raiders, heavy Raiders, because we got a lot of Raiders today. And the monologue brought to you by PTs. They're proud partners of the Vegas Golden Knights. Go to PT's to watch all the hockey games if you can't get a ticket. So here's what happened last night. Last night was one of the great nights of the year in sports. It was. It was the opening night in the NBA. You had the Lakers, Denver. You had the Warriors, Phoenix. That was huge. You had Game 7 of the NLCS where the Diamondbacks beat the Phillies. And then ESPN and the NHL for the first time ever had the frozen frenzy. So every single team played in the NHL with staggered start times. First time that's ever happened. 
So the last of all the hockey games was the Golden Knights. And Bobby would know because he ran the board on it and he worked all night. So after the, after the Diamondbacks won, my son is a junior at Arizona State. And I was on the phone with him saying, hey, man, I'm your dad. If you want to go to the World Series single by yourself, I'm not paying for the girlfriend. I'm not paying for the buddies in the in the. You already live in a nice high rise already, which has got like an equinox in the lobby and a pool on the roof. That's how they live in at ASU. There's no hey, well, I'm living in a rundown house three blocks away. It's like they live at the Mondrian. It's incredible. So I said, you want to go to the World Series, man? On dad, I'll pay. You just get yourself a ticket and I'll Venmo it to you. Mom will Venmo it. I want you to go to the World Series. So I was rooting for the Diamondbacks last night because I want my son in college as a junior to get on the streets of Mill Avenue and watch the World Series. So we watched that game. I'm talking to him. I light up a cigar in the backyard. Not what I should be doing. Not what I should be doing on a school night. And uh, having a cigar in the backyard, and I'm watching the Golden Knights. And I'm like, man, this is late. I mean, I'm a late-night guy. This is late. It's like in the first period. They're down 2-1 to Philadelphia. And then they flip the switch. Cotter with the goal. Cotter falling over, guides it toward Carlson. Back to Cotter, right wing into the zone. Cotter dips through, shooting. He scores! What a move from Paul Cotter. Closing from the right side. Vegas ties it. 2-2. Eight minutes to play. All right, so they're down in the third. Eight minutes to go, and they tie it up. So now I'm completely locked in. Now I'm ready to roll, and this is great. So I'm completely focused on the hockey game. Sports Center's on the other TV. I mean, it's a great sports night. And Theodore, who's come on this show multiple times, when he's scoring as a defenseman, the nights are unbelievable. Here's the game winner. Eichel towards the middle, hands it off Theodore. Theodore approaching, shooting, he scores! 31 seconds to play. Jay Theodore gives the Knights a 3-2 lead. That's incredible. Unbelievable the way they won that game. Truly remarkable the way they won that game to remain undefeated. Uh, this is a team now coming off a of Stanley Cup and this undefeated start. A team that has some, uh, something going big. Could be very, very special with this undefeated start to the season of 7-0 and in hockey. I was just watching them. I was live in Chicago, saw them beat the Blackhawks. So I'm loving what this hockey team is doing. I really think we talk about them. We talk about them in this building. I love it. VGK remains undefeated. Flyers dump it in from center on goal. Glove to the near side by Thompson. Still in play. The clock runs out, and the game has ended. The Golden Knights take a 3-2 victory against the Flyers and have started their title defense 7-0. Dan Duva on the call. I love his energy. Let's get Dan on here. Let's get Dan on. Let's let Nate know we'd like to talk to Dan here in the next couple of days or maybe next week, and they're off to a really good start. So that capped off my day, which started with Raider fans yelling at me and me, like, popping you know, blood vessels screaming in the back of my throat, yelling about the loss to Chicago. And it just goes to show you that sports is great. I am in the toy department of radio sports. You have politics. You have ugly politics. You have some other stuff. You know, I like a lot of music. I listen to Howard Stern every day and a lot of other shows. And, you know, I'm on Mad Dog Sports Radio. I get a chance to listen. But I, I mostly listen to music. I listen to our morning show. I listen to Q on my drive home. we got a great team here. But last night, I told my wife before I went to bed, what a day in sports. What a day. And I need to talk more about sports. 
because if the Raiders don't show up in Chicago, I got to talk about the Raiders not showing up. And that's not conducive to what I want to do. I want to talk about the Raiders winning. So today we pivot to Detroit and what has to happen to Detroit. Our team at Raiders Roundtable gave me a whole bunch of stats, which I appreciate. And we had a pre-production meeting for about 10 minutes before the podcast on what we should be talking about. The bottom line in this game is this. Two teams were humbled this past Sunday. Two teams, the two teams that lost the worst in the NFL are playing each other on Monday night. The Detroit Lions actually lost worse than the Raiders. And I was at the Raider game, and that's hard to do because the Raiders played terribly. And the Lions just got boat raced. First three series, they went three and out, and Baltimore scored on the first three series. The game was over. Game was over, not at the half. The Raider game wasn't over at the half. They ended up losing the game. But the Raiders game in the second quarter, I thought they could come back and score two touchdowns. At least I thought they could. Detroit could not do that. So I'm finding myself this week trying to come to a conclusion that Detroit's going to be more upset than the Raiders. And this is the focus of the monologue. How dare anybody think that? Like, that's what the national media thinks about the Raiders now and this group of Raiders who are playing and coaching. They don't think that the Raiders can handle the fact that the Lions are really pissed off and are so wounded from that loss. Do you know why that is? It's because they don't pay attention to the Las Vegas Raiders in Bristol. They don't pay attention to them in L.A. at Fox Sports. They, they don't even acknowledge the Raiders. They don't acknowledge when the Raiders play well, they kiss their ass. Oh, can we get the quarterback on the show? Can we get the quarterback? But when the Raiders aren't doing well, so everybody in the national media believes that the Lions are going to bludgeon the Raiders because they're more pissed off at the Raiders. I mean, they should run my radio show in the hallways in Bristol. They should run it at Fox, at the Fox lot in L.A. I'm the guy dealing with all the pissed off Raider fans. I don't know why Stephen A. and Skip and everybody doesn't know the Raider Nation was humbled also. And the Raiders have pride. Detroit's got no Super Bowl trophies. They don't even go to the playoffs or win. And the Raiders have the greatest players to ever play. Should have had about six or seven Super Bowls. At least they got three, and that's a lot. And the league, the impression around the league is, oh, my God, Detroit's so good. They lost and were humbled. They're going to kill the Raiders. Wow. Wow. So for me, this game turns into emotion. It turns into raw emotion. I gave you the analogy that a lot of people liked yesterday more than I thought on Halloween, how you pretend that you're passionate. I don't pretend this. I'm not pretending I'm passionate. I am passionate. For those on the Raider roster, Marcus Peters or guys who came off a bad game, and Marcus Peters has had a hell of a career, hell of a career. So when he had a game like he had in Chicago, and you look at other players that didn't play well and didn't tackle and didn't run to the ball, which is all on tape, they need to pretend that they're engaged in this road game to Detroit or they need to be traded or cut. They need to be traded or cut. That's where we're at with this season. It's only three and four. A win makes them four and four. Detroit looked terrible in that game. Thank God they looked terrible. Would you rather be going into Detroit with Detroit winning 41-17 to 17 or Detroit getting annihilated? I would rather see the bad stuff on tape so Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham could go, Hey, man, we got that same play that they ran against Detroit, and Detroit couldn't cover it. Let's run that play. At least there's some film of Detroit playing poorly. But the impression needs to be going forward. If you're not going to play at a high level, 
we have three options for you. We have the trade deadline coming up. We're going to trade you. We have the trade deadline coming up. We're going to cut you, but most likely we won't. There's only one or two players that could be in that debate. And the most important one is if you don't play better in this game and put up better tape, we are going to bench you. We're going to bench you, and we're going to let someone on the practice squad or your backup take your position because we think we think you're better than him, but he cares more about getting on the field than you, so we're going to put him in. That's where I think we're at. Uh, if I'm wrong, let me know. So I'm hoping that fear is a great motivation. Fear of losing your job, getting benched, getting cut, because most of these guys, and I'd say the majority of all of them are the best guys you ever met. When you meet a football player and an athlete, you, know, you see someone will have a domestic violence on Sports Center or this and that. All of these guys, almost to a man around the league, are really good guys. They do a lot with charity. They're great husbands, great fathers, great sons. They do great things. But fear is a great motivator. So the fear is to go three and five and the season to start to slip away. Or the fear that you're going to lose your job if you don't play better might help them get to four and four. And if they play a great game emotionally, I think that will help them stay in the game. Hear my whispering now almost, my quiet tone. I think the fear of losing their job or being benched by some, Mac, this is not for Max. This is not for Devontae. This is not, you know, for Robert Spillane. You know who I'm talking about. There could be a flip in the roster. I don't know what Dave Ziegler is going to do. Everybody's talking about Hunter Renfro getting traded. I would assume that Hunter's going to get traded. I think that's a fair assumption. And then I think there's an opportunity, as I talked about it with Lincoln and Eddie today, that Dave Ziegler might be able to trade for a player that could be on the roster long term. So he could find a defensive tackle, a right guard or a right tackle that he didn't think would be on the trade block. And he doesn't have to give up a lot to get it. He doesn't have to give up a first, second, third, maybe even a fourth. Maybe they absorb that contract. It's a fifth-round pick they give up, but you know you got a starter next year. And that's confusing to me because I know Dave. I know him reasonably well, and I think Dave wants to accumulate draft picks instead of players. I think he'd rather have draft picks to go out and package those draft picks to move up or do something like he did this past year, getting Michael Mayer, who I think is a good long-term piece to this team. So this is today's show is about fear and the players that need to have the fear of God put into them. They'll play in the league still. They'll play for another team. They're not going to play in Las Vegas unless they step up and play with passion, energy, the will to win, commitment to excellence, everything you see in the program when you get to the game. It's all there on the wall, pride and poise. you got to see some guys doing that this week. And then the final point that I want to make is that this is Jimmy time now. I like Jimmy a lot. I, I don't have anything personal to say about Jimmy that could ever be negative, ever. He, he seems like he's the best of the best. It's now time for Jimmy Garoppolo to play like a Raider, to go out there and play and play at a much higher level than he's played at. That means extend the pocket, run, take off and run like he did in the Denver game, throw the deep ball. Throw the deep ball. Change the play if he has to at the line of scrimmage to a better play. Uh, be more of a quarterback in control and doing everything he can to win. He was injured last week. I think we would have won if Jimmy was healthy and he wasn't able to win. And now Jimmy should be back here and he's got to play at a very, very high level. So that's the monologue. That's what I got today. I'm on to Detroit. 
if you know Detroit, if you want to talk about Detroit and their good players and what the game plan should be, uh, that's a tough game plan here because we don't run the ball. We don't run the ball anymore. I don't know why. We can't run it. But I think we can, and eventually we will. Is this the game to run it? I don't know. I think it's the game to just watch Jimmy G go up against Goff and see who's better. Because Goff wasn't very good against Baltimore because the game was taken away from him early where he didn't have a chance to win the game. And I think Goff's going to come back at home and really be dangerous. And Max Crosby needs some help from Tyree Wilson, needs some help from Malcolm Kuntz, needs some help from Patrick Graham on some safety blitzes. You got to get Goff off the spot, and then we got to tackle. And I'm going to spend most of the time with Rod Woodson talking about tackling. If you want to get through, do it now. I'll fit you in in the first hour, 702-365-9200. Rhode Island Raider starts us off on the flagship. What's happening? Good afternoon, JT. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. So I had a quick observation because Mm -hmm. I've been a Raiders fan since 2000. First ever game I ever watched was the tuck rule with my dad. And throughout the whole history of being a Raiders fan, I've seen nothing but just bad football or just bad luck. Mm -hmm. And now we come to this point this year where there was so much optimism because of the offense, because it has a lot Mm -hmm. of good players on it, and we should be able to put up a lot of points. But it also looks like there's a poor miscommunication, bad execution. I don't know what it is. Sometimes the quarterback's just not seeing that. There's Michael Mayer open in the middle of the field, or Jacoby Myers is open, and we just miss it. What's going on with that? part of the offense's yeah. process. Well, I think you're, you're onto something. What's happening is whatever's happening in practice in Henderson and what happens during the game, there's a disconnect. The, play, the blocks aren't sustained. The, the guys aren't open as they are when they practice because when they practice, they're not playing a real opponent. And whatever they do, they don't have a lot of confidence that they can do it successfully. And you can see that with the body language and the way they do it, the pace that they play. So I think you're on to something. I think something needs to happen. Something needs to happen that's off the script. They need to start adding in wrinkles that are very aggressive. That would be faster play, no huddle, trick plays, bombs, crossing routes, everything that they're not doing because they're not able to do it because the offensive line isn't giving them enough time, even though there's some credible plays for the offensive line. We've seen enough plays work this year, but not enough of them. So they got to play with a different type of offensive swagger. Even if they feel like they don't have it, like Halloween, they have to pretend they have that swagger and execute the plays that Josh McDaniels calls. Exactly. And another thing that I want to bring up is I just want to see a team that's just angry. Yes. Like I want to see someone other than Max Crosby get in another player's face. Not cause a personal foul because we've had mm-hmm. enough of those, but just get in another player's face. Show emotion that you want to win the game. Because I'm just not seeing that this year. I'm seeing a lot of mm. athletes. Now, it's not everybody. It's their, yeah. Obviously, they want to win because that's mm. what your job is to win. But I'm not seeing the heart out there. And that's kind of demoralizing as a Raiders fan mm. because we've got to witness players like Charles Woodson, who's my favorite player of all time, right. and the reason mm. why I'm a Raiders fan. And then mm. another topic, because you talked about the O-line, mm. the player that scares me is, Aiden Hutchinson. Sure. Now I'm a Michigan fan, so mm-hmm. I had I got to watch gotcha. him a lot, and he can cause a lot of damage. 
and he has the ability mm-hmm. to single-handedly disrupt the game. Yes. And I don't know what the offensive plan can well, be if we can't handle Chicago. Yes, let me jump in. i got to wrap up the calls. i got to keep everybody going. Appreciate your time. Aiden Hutchinson, you have to block one-on-one. You cannot leave in a fullback or running back to chip him every player. You're going to have one less offensive weapon running a route or touching the ball. So I would hope that Aiden Hutchinson could be neutralized wherever he lines up on the right or the left, they move him around. But I would assume that they're going to chip him with the tight end. And that's a shame. If Hooper and Michael Mayer have to stay in to block or at least quickly chip him, then that takes him out of the play for a second or a half a second or 1.5 seconds. But, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson is the equivalent. He's a younger Max Crosby, and Max is still young. Aiden Hutchinson looks a lot like Max Crosby coming off the edge, and the Raiders are going to have to contain that. And I'd like to see better body language and more emotion. You don't have to break an iPad, you know, a tablet. You don't have to do that. But I'd like to see players who practice all week to get off the bench, to get off the bench, because I was behind the bench. I was behind the bench at the last game. I didn't see players getting off the bench, walking to the sideline and rooting on their teammates and being fired up after the first quarter. And that's obvious. You can't debate that. I'd like to see more energy from the sideline with the players engaged in the game very early in the game. Ira in Tennessee, go ahead. You're up next. Uh, Yes, JT. I just had a quick question for you. You know, you said you're having Rod Woodson on at the bottom of the hour. And I was wondering... You said uh, GM Dolph uh, uh, Ziegler wants to uh, get draft picks. Why is it that we don't do what we did with Al Davis and sign these high-priced guys and in the in free agency like Al? Because you can't. Alive? You can't. You, it's a fair. They don't do it that way. Appreciate it. Dave Ziegler does not want to build the team with a lot of money going to free agents. He doesn't, and that's probably the right thing he's doing there. Good teams built through the draft. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at the success of the Baltimore Ravens. And then they catch a guy who wants to play for that team. They come over. But we already paid a lot of money for Devontae. Right? We, we, Dave Ziggler spent a lot of money on a lot of players. He'd like to build through the draft. I support him on that. I think it's the right way to go. But every once in a while, if you're going to go two years in a row and not sign a right tackle, then don't wonder why you're not doing a better job with the offense and sustaining the blocks for bombs or running the ball better. So I'd go after a right tackle or a linebacker if they fall in your lap on Halloween, October 31st. The great Rod Woodson joins us next. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Shotgun back to Aiden O'Connell, throws the slant, caught by Myers, spins out of a tackle, touchdown Raiders. Quick throw to Jacoby Myers, who spun out of there and got in the end zone. And for Aiden O'Connell, he has his first career passing touchdown late in the fourth quarter here in Chicago. Yep, that was at the end of the game. The game was out of reach. JT, back with you. Brought to you by M Resort Spawn Casino. That's the official hotel of the Silver and Black. One of my favorite all-time players, Raider legend, pro football Hall of Famer, former coach. He does everything. Our friend Rod Woodson. Rod, thanks for doing this. How you been? 
What's up, JT? What's going on, man? I needed you because the Raiders didn't tackle in their last game, and I was talking to Jamie and my son and others, and I said, I got it. We had Phil Villapiano on a couple weeks ago. Everyone made great tackles. They didn't tackle well. I'm going to bring Rod in. So I want to begin, Rod, the fundamentals of tackling from the safety corner position and how have you coached in the past. What should the Raiders get back to fundamentally? Well, I, the, the key to tackling, especially in space and the way the game is played today, is that you can't ever stop your feet. You know, you'll see a lot of defensive players come to an offensive player. Uh, he tried to make a move in space, and then they kind of settled their feet and stop them. You, that, as soon as you do that, you're lost. Uh, that means the advantage goes back to the offense. You know, we, we're always taught to, what we call eat the grass. As you're coming through, you eat the grass up so you don't settle your feet. You keep coming. And you take your shot, and you got to – it takes 11 players to make a tackle. It, it's not just one guy. Yeah, every, when you're in space sometimes, one guy will make that individual tackle, and that's a great job. That's a great individual effort. But you want to see collectively 11 guys flying to the ball where your guys know he takes his shot, he misses, he keeps his right leverage, he pulls the ball back to where all his help is coming from, and his, his boys are going to be there to help him out. That's the key to fundamentals. And, you know, the, nowadays, though, you know, the, the flags and, 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 you know, uh, the way the, uh, being taught to hit, is, is that's another story. But mm-hmm. just pure tackling in space, you've got to keep moving your feet. You've got to keep eating that grass up, and you've got to take your shot. You can't let that advantage go back to the offense. Rod Woodson joins us. What about the difference, Rod, of getting real low? That's one of the things Phil talked about from the linebacker position, you in the defensive backfield, you on special teams in your career. The ability to tackle low, where Phil was explaining to me, it hurts less if you go down low and around the shins and you make a good open field tackle instead of going high where the receiver or back or tight end has the ability to bounce off of that. Yeah, I mean, the normal tackle is what we always call a six-inch blow or a shoulder punch, right? That was like the, that's the normal tackle. You're going to hit him around the number area. Now, when you want to go low, and say if you're tackling from an angle, which you normally should tackle from, one angle or the other, it's hard to tackle straight on. Sometimes it's going to happen. But if you're going to tackle low, like Coach said, then you need to hit – the opposite leg, so the far side leg, you should go for that leg, not the near side leg. A lot of people go for the near side leg, and then what do you mm-hmm. see offensive players do? They raise up the near side leg, and the defender misses. So the, I think the art of it, tackling low, is, yeah, you know, we, we, we like to say in the deep of the backfield room is that we are lumberjacks, and those big old offensive players, we, can, we need to cut them down. Mm-hmm. But when we do cut them down and we tackle at an angle, we're taking that far side leg out. And if you take the far side leg out, you're normally going to get the rest of the body down. Hall of Famer Rod Woodson, our guest. How much of it is attitude? Uh, The Raiders didn't seem to have that attitude in the loss in Chicago, and I know the work you've done with the Ravens. And, again, I'm, I'm really leaning on you as a player but as a coach because these guys are all in the NFL, Rod. They got there for a reason. They should be able to tackle, and they should be able to go back to their fundamentals. But what was your attitude like in warm-ups when you used to go up against a fierce, physical team, and you didn't have many teams that were tougher than the teams you played on, but when you knew you were in for a war, how did you mentally get prepared for that? Man, we're going to be tougher 
and more physical than the other team, no matter what team I played for, uh, no matter what year I was playing from my rookie year all the way to my last year, my 17th year with the Raiders. Uh, we were going to be more physical than they were for four quarters. Yeah, you can do it in the first quarter, right? But can you do it in the fourth quarter? Can you do it in the first, the second, the third, and the fourth? And then when they get done, they're going to realize they played a real physical football team. They'll feel it in the shower. They'll feel it on the plane ride home. They'll feel it the next morning. They're going to feel that game after they get done playing, the physicality of it. But you got to believe in that. you got to believe that you can be physical, and you have to be a what we say a one-two tackler. Now, you don't have to be a guy that knocks people out and try to you know, have the hardest hits in the league, which you can't even do anymore in today's uh, NFL. But what you can do is be a willing tackler and wrap the guy up. So many guys, when they do make their tackles, they don't bring their arms with them. They're just trying to shoulder tackle, shoulder punch. As we shoulder punch, we still are wrapping and rolling. And that's going to get the guy down. And when you wrap, when you hit hard, wrap, roll, whoever has the ball, he's going down. And to mm-hmm. me, that, that's a mindset that would be a want-to tackler because physicality is still a good trait in the National Football League. Rod Woodson joins us. Uh, Rod, a couple more when it comes to tackling in the evolution of the NFL where there's no more two-a-days. You don't throw the players back in pads to discipline them. Get back out there. There's walkthroughs. There's film. How would you do no, it? You can. You, no, you can't throw them back in pads. Yeah, you like, can I mean, once. Just think of, yeah, you can. You can. So you look at, uh, you know, I, I'm listening, I'm reading, I read through all the different teams, and Mike Tomlin did it two weeks ago mm-hmm. when this team looked like ter- they looked terrible. He put them back in pads on Wednesday. He said, you want to look terrible? Then we would be in pads every Wednesday as long as we can be in pads. So what is that and, like? Eric Allen mentioned that, too. He said, you know, nine on sevens, just, I mean, put a goal line. Just what do you do to mentally get a team to bounce back? If you're Patrick Graham, you're going into Detroit, you get the extra day for Monday night football. A lot of the guys saw what they did on film. How do you build them up again physically and mentally so they're playing better? What's that process like? I mean, if you need to build them up mentally because they don't believe that they can tackle, you're already lost. That's the first thing. That's a hard thing to do as a coach. Now, what you can do is you can overemphasize the angles, overemphasize your pursuit, overemphasize where you belong in each defense and say, I need you guys all flying to the football. And then as the practices start, even if you're not in pads, as a practice starts, you need to see all 11 guys going to the ball and all mm-hmm. touching off on the ball. And if, if they let one guy cross their face, then that's a negative for that play, for that group of uh, players on the, on the field. So I, I think once you make it consistently, once you make a, a consistent effort for those players to hear it every, after every snap, yes, you're in the right position. No, you're in the wrong position. You can't let this guy cross your face. Even when you're doing walkthroughs, it's the little bitty things that matter in football. Even when you're doing walkthroughs, if a guy crosses your face in the tackling or he has a ball carrier and he crosses your face, you can't let him cross your face. You can't let it be okay to cross your face. And coaches, once they ingrain that in you, and you start doing it in walkthroughs. You can start doing it when it's faster and faster and faster because it's a part of who you are because you can't think about where you belong in a game, on a defense, when you're making tackles. You can't think about it in a game when it's going 100% or 100 miles an hour. You have to make sure you're doing it through walkthroughs, and then you're doing it every single practice at every single snap. And if you do that, 
then you'll start getting better at tackling us collectively as a unit. You know, Rod, lastly, with all the great teams you played on, you were looked upon as arguably one of the best players there as a future Hall of Famer. What's that like when, you know, you don't have a good game, not personally, but the team doesn't play well, and you want to look around the next week, you got young kids in that locker room, young guys you're mentoring along the way. I think Max Crosby's still a very young player. Marcus Peters had a terrible game. He's getting a lot of heat locally and nationally, but what's it like in that locker room with communication? We don't get a chance to go in there, Rod, the way you were in there as a coach and a great player. What is the accountability like on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when you got a big game coming up and you're coming off a really bad performance? I mean, really, you, you want your leaders to step up to the forefront, right? And, you know, Marcus Peters, you know, I, you know I, I've been known Marcus for, for a long time, and every time I see Marcus, I said, man, make sure you bring West Oakland to the field. And he knows what I mean by that, and I'm hoping that he hears it, that he brings West Oakland to the field. And that's, he doesn't have to be that physical guy, and you don't need the most physical players on earth to play in the National Football League, but they have to be doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. And you want those veterans come not just on Wednesday, but right after the game. You want them to look in the mirror, looking at the tape, and saying that, hey, I didn't play my best. Collectively, I'm going to – or individually, I'm going to get better. And if each player can do that, and, and the veterans bringing that to the forefront every single snap, on every single play, and every single practice, you do get better over the course of time. And now, when, when things aren't going the best – for a team or for the defense individually, you got to look in the mirror, but collectively you need those veterans to step up to the mm-hmm. forefront and to hold people and players accountable after each play, after each practice. Rod, are you a Halloween house? I know how vibrant your house is and your family. Are you big? Eric Allen's huge on Halloween. His wife's been working on it. Are you a big decorate the house, candy everywhere? What do you like on Halloween? Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter the holiday. We got orange <laughs> and brown stuff all over the place. You know, the crazy thing is, like, we don't even have – kids don't come to our neck of the woods for Halloween. It's too dark over here, <laughs> you know. But we still we still get ready for every single holiday. My wife has all her, her Halloween pillows. And then when Halloween's over, it's going to be Thanksgiving. When Thanksgiving's over, it's going to be Christmas. So every whatever the season, our house will be decorated. Rod, thanks for the tackling podcast. I will save this one. Always appreciate you. See you soon. All right, brother. Take care. Rod Woodson. Is that tackling 101? The opposite leg? How to prepare coming off a loss? All of that. The brilliance of Rod Woodson. Brought to you by Boyd Gaming. What a partnership they have locally here in the Valley with the Silver and Black. Boyd Gaming goes back a long way with me from my original Monday night football shows at the Gold Coast to all the advertising now they have with us on radio and television for a local Raider experience. Get behind everything at Boyd Gaming. Yeah, I mean, again, it's disapp- it would have been disappointing regardless because, um, like I said, I don't think we played representative to what we feel like we can be, um, you know. So uh, it's always disappointing when you lose in this league, no no question about it. But uh, yesterday I just, you know, 
we didn't we we've been competitive in most every game we've been in this year and and that one you know got away from us and you know i feel like we're again you are what you what you do and so we didn't play competitive enough we didn't coach well enough and you know the game got away from us the game got away from them coach is saying that i'll interview the coach tomorrow and we'll get into that topic how do how do you keep the game from getting away from you jt Brought to you by the Black Hole, football's most notorious fans. Just go to theblackhole.com. It's a fantastic website. Right on the front, it says become a member. Just click it on, click that, and you'll become a member. You'll gear up. You'll get the exclusive merch. You'll get discounts. You'll see where all their parties are. You get the members-only T-shirt, the patch, the hat pin, the lapel pin. You get everything. The member certificate, which is in my home, right when you come in. Be an official member of the black hole like I am. It'll make a difference. Bill Williamson joins us. The great Raiders insider covers the entire NFL. Bill, that was a rough one to watch. Uh, Let's jump right in. I read a lot of your content this week. I just didn't think the Raiders tackled with any type of passion and aggression. How'd you see it? Yeah, and you know, and that's been kind of going on a little bit. But it, yeah, I mean, it certainly hit with hand. I, I saw a clip from a, a podcast that Cole Komet, the Bears uh, tight end, was on a podcast on this week sometime, and he said that they were gassed and they were uh, jet lagged all game. You know, I mean, and, and this is an opponent noticing it during the game. He said it just wasn't the same thing they saw on tape going into the game. So who knows what the deal is. Um, you know, it seems that, I, you know, I, I wrote one of my headlines after the game was it was a very Raiderish loss. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've seen this team do these type of losses, you know, regardless of the regime in the last 10, 15 years. And uh, that was just another one. And I, I felt that this was coming. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I thought the Bears were going to win. I didn't. I thought mm-hmm. the Bears should have won, and they would have won. But you could see signs of those two games previously against, you know, bottom-feeding teams, the, the Packers and and the Patriots. The Raiders just couldn't get away from them, you know, and they were just making too many mistakes to keep a lesser team uh, in the game. And the Bears never even waited for Raiders to make mistakes. They just took over. So I think they were kind of cruising for this one, and, and you know, here we are now, three and four. Uh, Bill Williamson, you wrote, and you do a great job because the content just flies out at silverandblackpride.com. In regards to the running game, you wrote, the running game lacks explosion. How does that get fixed? I'm done blaming people. We know it's not a great offensive line. We know Josh missed a lot of time in the offseason. How do you fix it quickly? Now we're we're not at the midway point, but we're getting close. And something's got to change drastically or just abandon the run. I know it's tough to do. You can't abandon the run in the NFL, but you can become a heavily aggressive pass team if you give up on running the ball. Are the Raiders close to giving up on the run? Well, that would, I, I don't, that would be pretty disastrous considering how much they're paying the, the lead running back and you know how Jimmy Garoppolo is not really set up to be, his game is not to be that aggressive guy. He, he kind of needs the give and take of the running game. And, you know, I think that was the success of the Raiders' uh, offense last year, the success that it had. I know different people involved, you know, especially at quarterback. But I just don't know to give up on on such a, a big aspect of the game, especially with who your lead running back is. And as far as fixing it, I, I don't know. I mean, it, we're seven games in. It, you know, 
we're almost halfway, as you say. I, I don't know what the deal is. It's it's, it's coaching. It's mm-hmm. it's blocking. It, it, it's the it's the running back. It, it's a lot of things. But it's of all the disappointments of this year. I think that's the greatest one in Las Vegas. Yeah, Bill Williamson joins us. Tyree Wilson had an 82.9 PFF grade versus the Bears, but you dove deeper into the numbers. You're not super impressed because of the lack of snaps. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, I'm not going to pound on the kid, but I I think that the the 39% of the snaps, I think that is pretty telling and alarming. I mean, Look at they, they drafted him number seven. They he's supposed to be an elite guy. And then, you know they weren't even accounting what happened with, with cutting Chandler Jones. They need him, and I think you need your number seven overall pick to be on the field more than thirty nine percent of the snaps. So while there was some some movement towards the right way, he's got to be more than a part time player. Mm-hmm. Bill Williamson, as we wrap it up, Bill, what's at stake here? I mean, the Lions can lose the game, and they'll probably make the playoffs. I, it, it gets harder and harder for Raider fans to believe that, but I think the Raiders can go back-to-back. Back. I really do, and beat the Giants and the Jets. I've said that when the schedule came out, even with Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones healthy. I like the matchups there at Allegiant Stadium, but now I'm questioning that. But I'm hoping they win those two. Do you expect them to be in this game late with an opportunity on Monday night to win on the road? You know, gut reaction, probably not, um, but that doesn't mean anything. I, I, I'm no genius. Mm-hmm. And, and just and, and when you, you know, the NFL, when you expect things to happen, they usually don't. We just talked about the Bears game. So maybe it's possible. I wouldn't, you know, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm never shocked about anything uh, on game day in the NFL. But I don't like to match up. Um, I, I, think, I think Detroit's going to be really rocking. Um, you know, on Monday night, they got their alternative uniforms. They've been playing on Monday night at home. doesn't happen all the time. Um, I think that the team and the coaching staff is going to be very focused after, you know, getting, you know, knocked down a, a peg or, or four against the Ravens, 30, you know, 38 to six. I think they're going to be out and ready to uh, show that they're a quality team. So I think it's a tough matchup for the Raiders. JT, when I was last with you two weeks ago, we talked about, the, the, the easy schedule, and I said that they got to be five and five. They, they four and six after playing, you know, the, the Packers and, and mm-hmm. the Patriots and the Bears, and and then you know the tough one against the Lions, their first really tough opponent since week week two against Buffalo, and then the Giants and the Jets. You have to come out of that five and five, so they they have to be go two and one in the stretch. Four and six would just not cut it because there's a lot of people ahead of them in the AFC. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Take care, Bill. Talk to you in a couple of weeks, bud. See you, All right, Bill Williamson, silverandblackpride.com. Again, I was talking to Eddie off the air today, Eddie Pascal. We were looking at the schedule again. You can do that on radio. You don't do it as a coach. You don't do it as a player. Five and five is the best-case scenario. It's a good scenario. It could, it could be had. Five and five could be really interesting after 10, but you still got two with Kansas City. Okay, so you got to think if you're playing at a five and five level, can you split with Kansas City? I always thought, and Bobby, I'll say this quickly before we came back. I always believe, I believe we beat Pittsburgh. I was wrong, and I believe we beat the Bears, and I was wrong. I can't be wrong much more. Okay, those two are wrong. I believe 
we, the season ticket holders, will beat. And count with me, I got one hand, not two. They got three wins. I believe they can beat Denver at home, Indy on the road, Giants and Jets back-to-back, Chargers at home. Yes, that's five. Okay, so now we get now we're now we're going from three, five to eight, but that, that they have to run the table on that. Then you're going to have to find a way to win one of the other games. Oh, oh, Minnesota, right? So give us Minnesota. That's if you're living in fantasy land. But we can. You got to win all those. Then you give the Minnesota game because I thought that Minnesota would be playing for nothing. I've changed my mind. Minnesota's back in this thing. That game's going to mean something. And then you got to find a way to win one game, one game against. Kansas City twice, Miami, and Detroit. You can't go 0 and 4 in those four games. You got to go 2 and 2 or 1 and 3. Can't you go 1 and 3? You're not waving a white flag. There's a lot of football left, but the football's got to be played at a much higher pace. Vinny Bonsignor, always a great insider segment on deck.